InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. For many alcoholics, the idea of quitting this stuff seems challenging to say the least. But one recovered drinker and researcher says alcoholism is a habit that can be changed with the right approach. Here with the story, InfoTrack reporter Gina Tedesco. Gina? Thanks, Chris. Joining us now is Annie Grace, author of This Naked Mind and The Alcohol Experiment. Annie, you've been there. You were a young top executive who drank two bottles of wine a day to cope at one point. How hard was it to get sober? Well, when I was trying to drink less, sort of with the traditional methods, which are a lot of willpower, creating rules for myself and breaking those rules, it was nearly impossible. And it really wasn't until I started asking myself a different question, you know, put down the questions of, am I an alcoholic? Do I have a problem? And started asking myself the question of why? Why am I drinking more than I ever expected to? And why do I feel like I need it so much? And I started going down that level of research. And after that, it was relatively easy because something really shifted inside of me. Now, if the first two or three days are the hardest in giving up alcohol, how does a person stick with their no drinking pledge for an entire month? Well, it's interesting because physically it is those first two or three days. Your body is adjusting to the presence of no alcohol because it completely compensates for the drinks you have even ahead of time. It will start to compensate expecting you to drink if you say drink at 5 p.m. before you even put that first drink in your mouth. So when you take the alcohol away, your body goes through an adjustment period, which makes you irritable and kind of cranky. But then after that, the entirety of the rest of the month is mental. And so if you have the right attitude and the right level of what I like to call the secret sauce of curiosity and compassion, it really can be much easier than you would expect. Now, does part of this adjustment of going without alcohol actually impact the brain's ability to enjoy it? Yes, because the reality is that when alcohol is present in your system, your system is reacting. It's tolerance we think of as something to kind of be proud of, but really what it is is your brain is building an immunity to alcohol in order to protect you from the ill effects. So part of that immunity is actually to turn down the pleasure centers in your brain because alcohol artificially stimulates those pleasure centers. And by turning it down, it actually turns down your brain's ability to feel pleasure for most things. So you are met with not feeling as much pleasure in the very short term as your brain readjusts. The great news about that is once you do drink less or stop drinking, your brain readjusts to normal and you start to realize that you can feel so much more pleasure in life than when you were drinking. Now, some people think that they're better lovers or they enjoy life more when they drink. Assuming these are actually false notions, Typically, Annie, do people genuinely believe those or just use them as excuses to drink? I believed them. I believed that alcohol relaxed me like the sky was blue. I believed it helped me loosen up in the bedroom and helped me have more fun. And again, neurologically and scientifically, those things aren't true. Alcohol actually numbs your brain's ability to feel and experience your senses. So in terms of having more fun in the bedroom, it's very counterproductive. It actually, when you have a drink, your body's response to that drink is to release cortisol, which is the stress hormone. So it's not relaxing you over time. In fact, it's making you much more anxious anxious and less relaxed. And of course, we've already talked about the pleasure and joy aspect. But when you look into it, the brain is so phenomenal because once it can see that these beliefs it's had are false, it's able to easily let them go. 
But why don't people actually recognize that? Why don't they feel the cortisol? Well, we often reach for another drink. So how alcohol works is that it's both a stimulant and a depressant. So we have about 20 minutes from that first drink where your blood alcohol content is rising. That's when it's a stimulant. It helps you feel kind of more energetic, happier, a bit more euphoric. But as soon as that 20 minutes is up, and I encourage people to actually time this for themselves, if you don't take that next drink, your blood alcohol content starts falling and that's when you feel uneasy. That cortisol production is happening in the body. You feel restless, you feel tired, you feel grouchy, but often we reach for that second and third drink. So we don't really notice that accumulation until we fall asleep. It happens overnight. The kicker about this is that that 20 minutes of blood alcohol content rising, that those pleasant feelings are exchanged for two to three hours per drink of your blood alcohol content falling. So it's a very unfair trade. And often we'll wake up the next morning with a pit of anxiety or with a little more despair. And we don't necessarily connect it to the drinking the night before. We're visiting with Annie Grace, author of This Naked Mind and The Alcohol Experiment. She encourages people to avoid alcohol for a month to enjoy the benefits. You start sleeping better if not drinking. Why is that? Well, alcohol actually disrupts your brain's ability to get REM sleep, which is really important, and other types of deeper sleep. Now, it will make it feel like you can fall asleep faster, but you're really almost passing out because it causes your brain's neurosynapses to fire slower, and it is an anesthetic. It is a numbing agent. They usually actually used to use it in surgeries, and so it can turn off your thought processes and make you feel relaxed and feel sleepy, but then as your body is purging the alcohol, you wake up, and most drinkers know how this feels. For me, it felt like waking up three in the morning, pit in my stomach, and unable to fall back asleep, not only because of my racing thoughts, but because of what was physically happening in my body. Now, let's say some listeners do attempt to go a full month without any alcohol, but they say, hey, we're only human, and what if I backslide into drinking? Your solution that you hinted at earlier is forgiveness and gentleness with yourself. Share how that works for us. Absolutely. I mean, we've all been trying the tools of like blaming ourselves and shaming ourselves and getting frustrated with ourselves forever. It's kind of how we know how to change our behaviors. And we all know that we're doing a lot of behaviors that quite frankly aren't changing. And so my suggestion is what if you treated yourself with compassion, with curiosity? What if you recognized that you're drinking as usually an act of self-preservation? It's because part of your brain believes it's useful to de-stress, to get through life and recognize that you're actually doing the best you can with the tools you have, alcohol just might be the wrong tool and be willing with curiosity to explore if it is the wrong tool or maybe it's right for you. So to drill down here, a key to staying clear of alcohol is not choosing to abstain from each drink that's offered or available, but instead make a single choice to be free of drinking. So you make that analogy with marriage. Share that with us. It's amazing how the brain weighs little choices, the same stress as big choices. And there's a psychological phenomenon called decision-making fatigue. So if you're trying to make the drink decision in the moment, am I going to drink tonight or not? How much is going to be too much? Did I overdo it? You are literally fatiguing your brain. Now, interestingly, that's also the same part of your brain that 
is able to use willpower. So when you fatigue your brain in this way, your willpower goes down. But if you're able to say, you know what, no matter what, even if I'm miserable for 30 days, I'm making one firm decision. I'm telling a few people about it. I'm going to get some positive peer pressure. Your brain actually only has that energy taxation of the single decision. And if you make it with a firm enough commitment, like a marriage, then you're not tempted by every drink that comes by. You're just saying for these 30 days, this is what I'm doing. Now, what about the person who chooses to drink in moderation after they've been addicted? You say there's no halfway point for them? How so? I think it's really fascinating to understand how the brain responds to alcohol. And one of the things is that it turns off your prefrontal cortex, which is the part of the brain available for decision-making skills. So it both does this over the long term, impairs your decision-making ability cumulatively every drink you take, but also in the short term, one drink will make you much more susceptible to that next drink and that next drink. And that's one of just about five or six ways that inside the brain, moderation can be really hard. It's kind of like being on an alcohol diet. And so you have to put so much conscious attention and effort into it. Now, I wouldn't say it's impossible. I have seen people do it successfully, but they usually take a one to two year break before they start to try to moderate. And what about people who normally do drink only in moderation? They may feel, hey, there's no reason to not drink booze for a month, but can they still get benefits from abstaining? Yeah, according to the World Health Organization, no amount of alcohol is actually safe for the body. So everybody can reduce their cancer risk and disease risk and, you know, become healthier. Even something as simple as your gut biome is really impacted by alcohol. If you consider that we put hand sanitizer on our hands to kill germs, pouring alcohol into your gut kills all of the positive fauna and flora that exists inside of your gut. So all health benefits are still really relevant, even if you drink in moderation. And I think such a powerful question for moderate drinkers isn't, do I need to stop drinking? Do I have a problem? It is, would I feel better drinking a bit less? And you don't know that that's true until you give it a try. Your solution, forgiveness and gentleness. Absolutely. Annie Grace, I want to thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. For InfoTrack, I'm Gina Tedesco. Next, is your morning routine making you sick? The details straight ahead. There's more info track coming up. Stay tuned. <laughs> 